again. And, Hello. Um, Hello. I've got a bit of a problem today. What's that? I've um, got my bike locked, but I forgot my key. A soft stroke of a circus cat, the cool cat stroll of a beatnik chick. I went out with um, I went out with about a fiver. My friends gave me free entry to his. Um, my friend Sammy puts on gigs um, quite regularly, um, and he's got a gig every week for the month of May around various venues in. Margate, um, the, um, he's got two at the Tom Farm and he's got he's doing an outdoor gig as well and um, he had a gig last weekend and um, I, um, he gave me free entry because I designed a poster um, and I only had a fiver on me so I had enough for one beer and then um, I left um, by the end of the night um, through selling poetry books, I had 40 quid in my pocket and I'd had t another two pints. <laughs> and um, it feels like you can do that sort of thing. Like you can, um, you can do anything here. You can, there's, there's a way of doing it and there's space to do it. Um, whereas in, in other towns, you'd probably if you went um, out doing that, you'd probably get a punch around the face. They're painting it up now. Looks um, starting to change, isn't it? I always thought of Margate as being a bit mentally ill. I don't know, just felt damaged. <laughs> There's a place itself, like the, the look of the place. I don't know, it's something slightly um, like wonky looking about it. Um, we can go down the high, down the high street, back like down to the seafront and then round. Um, up to this cat. It's starting to start 
things have started to open on North Down Road now as well. Trendy places. Remember getting a haircut in there for £2.50. That hairdresser's in that over there. It's so cheap, it's really funny. Confusing when you've got um, town shops and sort of really run down looking shops and then sort of the brand spanking new um, wine bar next to it. And you've got like a real mixture of people as well. You've got all, all kinds of people, haven't you? Know? Yeah, At the weekends you do anyway. A friend of mine um, calls it the Big Bang. When the Turner opens, that's the Big Bang. Yeah, cool. Uh, right, um, I reckon I can. Um, tuck my bike inside there and Number 486, the CCTV doesn't quite get a glimpse of me. Ah, there's one behind me. There's a lot of, um, sort of slightly scruffy looking. Um, there's um, a lot of shops that don't really make any sense. They're just kind of, um, Some of them are closed up, and you kind of have this um, like ideas of like what they would have looked like when they were open, um, what sort of things would have been there on the shelves. So I just turned left there. I remember um, four or five years ago, I was just walking around Cliftonville at five o'clock in the morning and um, walking down this back street and there was just, just rubbish everywhere and seagulls, just seagulls, no people. And I just felt like I was in this world with just, just me and the seagulls and the rubbish. 
and they looked, their eyes looked, they just looked bizarre. It was just, um, they just looked really ma maddening. <laughs> Number 458, babbling drunken prose, those drunken words you chose. Yeah, we're going to see Polly, who um, I was involved in the Enku project in 2013, where I wrote 520 haiku poems on Margate over about six weeks. Um, and she's got a um, Airbnb, which is uh, a prison cell themed, um, <laughs> which is quite, <laughs> quite funny. Um, and I really want you to see it. No, it's all right, because yeah. we're going away. I should away. have called you, but I only just thought of it when we were, we were sat in thoughts, and I thought that... I was just, I'm literally in the middle of clearing up my van. That was for Margate. It was definitely. It was just for Margate. It was just gifts of love we made. Um, how many did we make? We made fifteen hundred discs with a Buddha on, and they all had different names on. So part of that was that we hoped that someone might find Chloe, for instance, and know someone that they could pass Chloe on to, and Anna, and. Basically, we went right the way through the alphabet. We started with men, so we started with Adam, and that was the first night we used to do. Over two month period, we dropped off eight a night in different places with different names. The funny thing was that I remember going um, round to like um, I'd go to a party or go to a friend's house for a cup of tea, and um, see one and see one hanging off of a, like a door handle or something, or hanging up yeah. like, um, next to a mirror on the. People well, found them, yeah. yeah. I think it'd be quite nice to bring them all back together again, but a lot of them got broken because I think people didn't know what they were. And um, For instance, one night round um, the clock tower, you know, that bit of green, we put all eight of them, I lost inspiration that night, all eight on the railings. And the next morning I went down there and they were all gone and it could have only been like the road sweeper had removed them not knowing what they were I suppose but and then we'd sometimes find them broken and Claire used to pick them up and stick them together and put a red pen in the cracks and then we we found a tree in Dame Park and we hang them it's called the convalescence tree so we hang them up to repair <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it, it was it was just a really lovely project and um, Sam wrote all these wonderful poems or, as I say, just sort of like observations, aren't they? Yeah. A few of them were haiku, 17 syllables, but some of them just what he saw as he walked round. 
what was it about three months wasn't it yeah 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 it was a sort of a month in the making and then uh, it went over a period of well actually you only got six weeks in the end yeah Sam got six weeks to write 520 kind of haiku or observations of Margate so while we were walking around putting these discs which were just sort of free love tokens he was right walking around and kind of documenting but I didn't know what what she, he didn't what know what we were up to, were up to. No. so I was I was just walking around writing my observations um, yeah and I didn't know what the what what the whole um, exhibition was about until it actually happened did I no, that's right. Yeah, and, and uh, no, Johnny didn't either. <laughs> yeah, it was all kind of quite, um, what's the word, covert. We didn't really want anyone to know what it was really about because we set up a Facebook page and just sort of to invite people to, I don't know, just kind of get involved. And, and then people did. They started finding these discs and going on the Facebook page and say, oh, I found my disc at so-and-so and I've now taken it to Whitstable Harbour or, you know, that kind of thing. And then Johnny yeah. took his up Snowdonia and they yeah. started moving around. They've ended up in Japan. And yeah, so that was a project. Well, the idea of it was um, was um, Enku, wasn't it? Based on Enku. Mm, mm. Who, who was, um, he, he was a Japanese monk. And he walked all over Japan, and everywhere he went, he kind of carved these very crude, some of them are quite crude, some of them are absolutely exquisite, but out of wood, some of them big, some Buddhas, basically, and he would carve them into trees. Not so often, because while the tree was alive, he thought, well, you know, with Buddhism, they thought they might be harming them, so not so often. It might be a kind of petrified tree or something like that. And, um, he just, in his lifetime, he just, uh, there are kind of thousands of these, and some of them are only big as a finger, quite crude and simple. And others are these massive, big kind of sculptures that everyone, well, in the 70s, when Japan started getting, catching up with, you know, modern art and stuff like that, um, a professor found started finding these what he did was he found the haiku that NQ wrote when he was on his travels up mountains and things like that and he followed a bit like song lines he followed his trail and then when he followed his trail to all these monasteries that he you know NQ went from one to another it was in kind of outhouses and sheds at the back of the monastery he found started finding all these buddhas that had been carved so he started making a collection so it was based on him. So it's self, um, what's the word? Self-efficient, is it? Self-efficient, it's self-contained, that's the word. It's self-contained, so they don't have to come in the house at all. Yeah. They can come down here. And this is it. This this is new, the um, shackles this year. We do this, we 
<laughs> we put their surname and the date that they stay there, like a prison number, so I sort of do it like that. not as it generally is. I mean, it's normally, it's got both mattresses on and they're made up with white linen sheets and things like that. Well, it's an old coal cellar that I wanted to do up. Um, it was a little bit damp. It wasn't as damp as, the, I've got another cellar, which is the old coal rather than cold. This would have been a cold room. When I first sort of thought about it, I, I just wanted to have another kind of, an overspill of the booth, which is sort of an art space and gallery. We've held some exhibitions there and shown some films and things like that. And then it was Claire, who is my partner in all these artistic activities that we do together, and that would be NQ too, um, said, oh, why don't we... It was her idea. She said, why don't we um, make it, turn it into a, an accommodation? So we did, and I just then we just went off on one, and yeah, it is. It's not in the winter. It's only it's only summer. Yeah, it's just seasonal. Yeah, they have a giggle. It's quite fun. Sometimes at night, I'll be sitting upstairs and I only hear them having a giggle when they see the noose and things like that. But I think it's kind of, it's like glamping, I suppose, more than um, yeah. Number 389, 50p for a picture of the Queen to stick on your envelope and she never looks any older. When I was a child, um, like nobody, nobody would even um, entertain going to Margate. They'd only go for Dreamland, for a day out of Dreamland or an evening out of Dreamland. We used to go like every, like, every other Friday evening or um, like during the day on a Sunday or something. Um, and then um, when that went, I, I can't remember ever going to Margate in between that until my friends, um, Polly and Claire moved over. Um, and then, um, and it just seems, you know, like dilapidated, like it had just been left, you know, um, all those years, like forgotten, completely forgotten and then the Turner opening provided a scaffolding um, for the rest of the town to, you know, improve and look tidier. I mean, and I, um, I grew up in Herne Bay, the seaside, which was, you know, really nice on the actual seafront and to be by the sea but it's only shingle and um, you, when you come down to here there's just like sands that goes on for miles like so much amazing like cliff top um, like just um, you can completely lose yourself in the um, space and time of it And 
it's quite romantic really you've got the ships coming in with all their supplies they're going into you know the, that down into the estuary um, in the summer you could be in the sea in Margate and you're in the sea with a, like a huge ship that's like um, a few only a few miles away I guess Yeah, you do get the most amazing sunset in Margate as well, as I've seen anywhere, I think. Um, you look down towards Reculver Towers and you see like this big, um, big orange um, natural um, piece of um, the solar system disappearing off into the... Um, To another part of the world for the day. This is um, something that I wrote when I was looking at the stars, and um, and often when I look look at the stars at night, I can see that there's something that there's a future. There's going to be something. Um, and it's this moment that you're that you're going to do it. I look at the sky, I look at the stars that shine so much promise over this town. What promises? The promise of an empty beer can rattling down the street at 2am. The promise of a cough, shout and scream of frustration. The promise of one wrong look, one wrong word and a bloody nose. The promise of a pound for shoveling shit. The promise of two fingers up for throwing up on your neighbour's door. The promise of an empty heart that won't let you be. The promise of burnt toast in the morning and a cold cup of tea. The promise of a cigarette packet and just smoked out ends. The promise of stale pubs with dusty old characters. The promise of a book without a cover, a car without wheels and a dog without a bone howling. The promise of a bus that takes you nowhere, a train that still hasn't arrived and a taxi that can't leave the rank. The promise of a stone in your shoe, a fly in your eye and a trip on the pavement. The promise of a garden without grass, the promise of a sky without sun, the promise of a breath of polluted air, the promise of clouds everywhere, the promise of a promise of promises. No, these aren't promises. The promise is this moment, in this town, under these shining stars, which only you can decide what to do with.
first thing that I went to at the um, Winter Garden, which is the beer festival that they do every April. Um, but I saw Blair in 2012, which was quite a big, I thought that was quite a big, um, quite a big mark on the town. Everyone was, you know, really excited about it for ages. And I came down to the Winter Gardens at 6am and um, to queue for a ticket and they only had about 300 left. And um, I was trying to work out whether I was far enough in the queue to secure a ticket. And there's somebody that camps there the whole night and they came out of their tent with cans of lager um, after, right at the front of the queue waiting <laughs> and spent the whole night there and then uh, and then i must have picked up like i got the ticket i got a ticket i must have been like the like 280 or something on the list yeah so i just got a ticket and then it was just um just so exciting you know um to have been a child and enjoyed blur and then actually seeing blur live in margate seemed like the home for it as well for like their music and their lyrics it, Margate seems like the quintessential place for them on the opening on the opening day of when the Turner opened me and my girlfriend at the time and um, we um, came down um, to Margate and um, she was studying art um, at college and um, so it was like a must to like come down to the opening day of Turner and um, we walked up the stairs into the Turner and um, thinking, we saw like a massive queue, but then we walked up the stairs to go into the Turner and um, a security guard said, yeah, you're not supposed to be up here, you're supposed to be queuing up with everyone else. But he said, I'm just gonna pretend that I didn't see you and you can go in. So we just went straight in, we didn't even queue up. <laughs> it's, um, that was the thing when, um, well, it might be a bit funny saying this, but um, when it was in the paper that somebody had come down early in the morning and put um, gents and ladies on the side of it because they thought it looked like a public toilet. <laughs> Number 245, take your bucket and spade where there is no shade. So I reckon if we go up on that top bit where that lady's walking now, because right, that's where the poem that I've got in my bag is, is, is written. What do you think? Yeah, if we get down to where that grey thing is, that's the spot. No, I was here when I wrote it. I was sitting down there. I was actually on the arm when I wrote the poem. Well, I, wrote, I had this um, blue Nokia that I bought for £10 that I used to write all my poems on. Yeah, so this is the, um, this is the spot. 
So you've got the Turner, you've got um, Arlington, um, Clock Tower, Big Wheel, the Cold Towers, Sparkling Sea, Sunshine. And this is the spot where I um, wrote the poem, The Arms, over half a pint of ale. Sweeping sands, still pond sea, looked over from the high side of the harbour arms. We gather up there on a sound Saturday. The seaweed saviour cleans it up with locals, smelling it sweetly, channelling our senses clear. A small fluff cloud moves away from the blue in Arlington's rise. We lap it up in a glisten of glittering surfaces. Big wheel rolls along the patchwork Margate skyline. A roller of pound coins in a daytime disco to the right of Turner's Edge. We stand with the arm cuddled around the waist of town where those liquids for our sandy first pour the chitter chat with ale and recall the towers wave from Herne Bay. We walk in happy hands at the place of pleasures where the shell lady admires the harbour of light. Hey man, how you doing? How are you? Yeah, good. How you doing? Something along. Where did you live tonight? Um, you lived in Herne Bay before. Didn't well, Herne Bay is. I've, I've lived in a few cities around Europe, and Herne Bay is just an anomaly. It's the oddest place I've ever lived. Um, as Margate is much nicer, fairly obviously, it's prettier, and it's livelier. And uh, I think my, uh, Herne Bay has a particular demographic. So yeah, it's, um, that, that's. Something about Herne Bay, but I, yeah, I've lived in Whitstable, Herne Bay, Canterbury, Margate, around here. Um, and I know Dover a bit, a couple of others. Um, and I like this place, I think it's nice. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's got lots of different things going on. And, and it's got sandy beaches, I mean, why would you not have a sandy beach? <laughs> yeah, I haven't actually got strong reasons to be honest. Except it is, there's more music, more, more life, a bit more sort of arty stuff going on. <laughs> Not that I ever see any. And I think the Turner is actually all right, isn't it? Because you think, where, you know, in London I used to wander by the National Gallery every now and then and just stop and look at things. And you just can do the same here. Which actually is going to affect your whole, whole experience, isn't it? Because the, you know, the, the state of mind is affected by your context. So if you come from Trout Square going bzzz, yeah. it's quite different from this. Well, I, I do notice that it makes a difference though. But, you know, you know, any old pictures is not enough. It's got to be something that is. It's got real quality to it, tangible quality, and that has. And otherwise, it's quite, you know, you can think you can go, you go a long time, but unless you go to London, you can go a long time and see it anymore. Uh, it's not in, not in the flesh, is it? Number 239. The barbecued sausages sit patiently waiting for a grab and a roll. Candle lights and snake bites, dusk is just settling in. Um, well, we're in the old town now, um, which is probably like the um, once the um, once the Turner um, 
made the scaffolding for the town is where um, everything started to happen after that with um, like uh, vintage shops and um, and um, furniture shops and um, micropark. Um. I think this is already kind of set in stone here. It's kind of um, it already had the. Um, it was completely empty, but it's got the buildings, isn't it, here in the old town. Um, so it was just waiting for something, um, something to give it a nudge. Yeah, none of this stuff, because um, when you walk further down, there's just all little caps and stuff. Yeah, it wasn't like that before. where all the, all the people that get off the train, they all, they all come straight for here. Um, and it's really sort of busy and buzzing at the weekend. Um, people going around with um, like um, bits, of, bits of furniture under their arm and, um, and um, paper bags, carrier bags, uh, what do you call it, bags, um, like posh bags from posh shops. <laughs> that I've been um, shopping on Oxford Street. But as well as being gentrified, so there's like a piece of place as well now. Um, as well as being gentrified, it's got, um, still got like the everyday stuff as well, like the people that were here before, the locals, um, still going about their everyday business. And it seems like there's two like, different worlds going on in a way. Two different worlds at once people with the money and then there's people that are just just doing that were here before and they're just um, I think if people that were from here um, try hard enough they could they could get a bit of it you know they could do alright but um, people that don't really notice it will probably just carry on living the same old lives and I don't know whether, I don't know how it will go. If it's sustainable, which it seems like it is, I think um, some people might end up not being able to afford to live here. I'm not very good at, I'm not very good at talking about, um, I don't know, like gentrification of places. <laughs> I can only talk about sea and natural stuff. seaside towns like even the not even like Brighton where it's got the lanes and everything you get to the seafront and then there's still that like bit of grot isn't there like it still looks a bit grotty doesn't it um, it's still like a sort of um, like um, 
what do you call it, um, fish and chip shops and a bit of scruffiness to it. I started writing poetry um, through boredom, I think. Um, being unemployed, frustration um, of seaside towns being so desolate and so um, so unattractive, so um, feeling like a wasteland and being stuck here. Um, not having any um, ladders to get up to another um, stage of life, just feeling like stuck. Um, and it felt like a way of um, releasing it and expressing it. And my own way of talking as well. Feels like a way of communicating people because when, when they hear me, um, when they read my poetry or hear my poetry, they um, feels like they understand me a bit more. They know um, they know where I'm coming from a bit more. If that makes sense. Um, I'm going to university in October. Um, I feel well. I feel like um, down here. I just feel wasted. You know. Um, well, not completely wasted, but. Um, like I need to put my mark down and um, I don't think um, I think these, the, ta- the towns down here are too small for to um, for people to notice it I feel like I need to be in places where um, where there's more like-minded people and um, that they're um, there'll be more people that understand it than less if you know what I mean Number 401, Margate's music scene, blossoming beautifully. Circles of friends standing outside the dole office like a collection of pens, waiting to sign the dotted line. Bored people struggling up the steeple of employment. It makes me pull my hair out. Seaside towns, seaside frowns. 56 quid a week to live on gets pissed away. Piss down the urinal of the diver's arms and the burps from the beer. The burps won't produce us jobs. Get home midnight, wake up midday. It makes me pull my hair out. Seaside towns, seaside frowns. You better ration your backy pouch, they'll sanction your claim. By the time I get a job, I'll be bald because it makes me pull my hair out. Seaside towns, seaside frowns. Finding a 20p blur or pulp cassette in a charity shop is the thrill of my unemployed life. Gulp. Six months being unemployed, washed away into the WCs, the boozed up gathering places. I'd get more joy banging my skull through a dry nailing wall than going to Bollocks Chops work agencies. Echoes of joyful days past, past joyful days have passed me by, passed me by like the broken hearts of yesterday. The songs on the radio are sad, lifeless. Let's shine some light, let's throw an unemployed party, we'll invite the thousands of unemployed.
This podcast was made for the Composition, Improvisation and Sonic Art Research Group Festival at the Turner Contemporary Gallery in June 2017. The poet was Sam Simmons. The editor and producer was Ben Horner. The music was by Bog Bodies. Sarah Gale Brand. Lauren Redhead. Joe Inkpen. And Morgan Duberman. For more information, please go to www.theaudiosphere.com.